my therapy room or now my Zoom room, I guess, right, becomes an alchemical vessel, I hope, of safety to actually, you know, we talk a lot about self-love, but really it is about accepting ourselves, the good, the bad, the shit, the great stuff. I mean, just all of it. Carl Rogers said that until we accept ourselves, we can't change. It starts right here, deep in your heart. Tom Rutledge and Dr. Alan Berger bring over 90 years of clinical experience to this important podcast, and they offer you a guarantee. You will gain something of personal value from each episode. And now, what matters most. It starts right Welcome back to Start Right Here. I'm Tom Rutledge. Uh, with me is the good Dr. Alan Berger. You know, the last couple of uh, times we've been together, we've just been you and me and Patrick, but we have a guest today, so everybody act, act your best. <laughs> um, let me just tell you a little bit that I know about Dr. Nadine here, is, is, uh, and then we'll let her fill us in on, on uh, what she wants us to know. Dr. Nadine Macaluso, am I saying your last name correctly? Perfectly. Oh, perfectly. All right. Uh, she's a psychologist. She's a, she's a, a licensed marriage and family therapist. She has a PhD in somatic psychotherapy, which is interesting to me. And I hope we can talk some about that. Uh, you, you have your, your bi-coastal in your private practice, right? You got, yes. you're, you're in California and New York. Right, That's correct. cool. And, uh, and, and do, and so people, we, we call you, do people call you Dr. Nay? Yes. They do. The only problem I have with that is it feels like I'm voting no for something, you know, (laughs) (laughs) nay, but I like Dr. Nay. I love your signature doctor, your doctor. I think I told you that in the email, but you're an expert, you're an expert in attachment, uh, attachment trauma uh, and shame. A lot of the stuff we, we talk a lot about, and you also work, you work with the, with the uh, dark tetrad. uh, tetrad. I always get tongue tied on that word. Tetrad. Tetrad personalities, which I, if I'm not mistaken, are taking over the world. Uh, so, so it's yes. good we'd be talking about that. Uh, and you also, you also have a podcast uh, called Doctor Doctor Nay's uh, uh, Talking Bar, right? Yes. I'm trying to read my own handwriting. I know, I know, I understand. It's, not, it's, not, it's, it's easy. So, uh, yeah, and whatever else you want us to know about you or how you got started in this business, and uh, sure, I'll I'll dive right in. So, go for it. I uh, grew up in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, and I was blessed to be raised by a mother who was a total hippie mm-hmm. and had me speak about my feelings nonstop Good. and process everything. And I didn't know it at the time as a child, that was due to her relational trauma because she was actually in an orphanage for the first two years of her life uh, during World War II. So she would ask me every night at the dinner table, Nadine, do you think it's nature or nurture that shapes a person? And I would say, mom, I'm 10. I don't care. (laughs) But sure enough, that her way of speaking, her way of teaching me how to process my emotions definitely got imprinted on my soul and psyche and body. 
And we always talked about therapy. My mother went to therapy, I remember, mm. when I was a teenager. And then I was modeling in the city, New York City, to make money because I grew up with a single mom and I needed to make my own money at a young age. And I met my ex-husband, Jordan Belfort, the Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> and some of you might know him. There was a movie made about our lives together. And so as soon as I met him, I went to therapy because I thought I was 23. I was like, there's no way I'm handling this guy. <laughs> right. Some, some people inspire others to go to therapy, don't they? Yes. He was a, <laughs> I always say the wolf was my Buddha. Mm -hmm. Yep. Te yeah. Teachers come in many, many forms. I know. Yeah. And so I loved therapy. I remember even loving it to the point that I would show up like Pavlov's dog at my therapist's office at 1 p.m. on Monday, even when she was on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> I just loved it. And I had two beautiful children and a very tumultuous marriage with him tons of drugs and, and emotional abuse. And so I did decide to leave him seven to eight years into our marriage and moved to California. And in my late thirties, I was meditating a lot and decided I was going to go back to school to become a therapist wow. and be of service. Cause I knew it there saved my life. Yep. Keep, keep, keep the ripple effect going. Yeah. And I it's beautiful. can't believe I get paid to do what I do. I know it's, a, it's an amazing job. It's like there are people who have real jobs. <laughs> right. That's true. <laughs> and, then the, and then there's us. <laughs> and then there's us. Yeah, then there's, boy, but what an experience you've had, Nadine, huh? Going through yeah. all that. Like what, when you look back, is what was the most challenging part of that? Oh, that's a good question. I think the most challenging part was a initially not understanding what I was in yes. because I had grown up my mother had divorced my father when I was six and so my home was very peaceful actually it wasn't perfect but peaceful. and so but peaceful there was yeah. no yelling and then to meet somebody that had a vicious temper but still loved you and that it was so confusing yeah, yeah, that was the word that came to my mind when you just said that, is that how confusing that would be. Yeah, I mean, we call that cognitive dissonance, I guess now, I know we're <laughs> at 53, but back then I was just purely confused. Yeah. And, and so that was really, really hard because I had no idea. I just felt like I was learning as I was going without a, without a guide. I mean, I guess my therapist was. <laughs> and then I think the second part was my own self-confrontation as to why I chose a person like that on yeah. some level. Yeah, that was painful too. I was reading in your journal, it says, uh, we wanna make our unconscious attachment patterns and specific survival strategies conscious. And so it's probably the making conscious yes. was, you know, what's kind of unconsciously coded from early yes. on, right? Yeah, and, and James Hillman, one of my favorite authors and theorists, you know, he always says like, Consciousness isn't always that much fun. Right. It's not so transcendent. Doesn't feel so transcendent most of the time. I don't know about you guys, but. No, it's muddy down there. It's, it's murky and hard. Yeah. James Hillman, I, I resonate with his work. I've, I've been in many workshops with, with Dr. Hillman. And yeah, 
so powerful. Just so, so powerful. I, his one book, one of my favorite books was we've had a hundred years of psychotherapy and the world keeps getting worse. <laughs> yes. Yes. I put that on my Instagram post when the whole really? COVID this year. Yeah. It's such a good, I mean, you know, the, the whole theme about how, therapy unintentionally oftentimes just promotes this narcissism, right? Yeah. Self-focus, self-focus, self-focus. And he says, there might be a problem with this is that we might be overcorrecting, right? In, yeah. In that sense. And, 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 and it was leading a lot of people, as he said, to be passive. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, right. that's not what therapy is about. We want to, I mean, at least in, in the work that I do is that I want to and not empower people, but let them, uh, you know, give them the resources to have agency. Yes. Right. Yeah. To take action. Well, we, we, we think, I think back at back, certainly back in the eighties and nineties when, when, you know, when I was uh, kind of coming up in this stuff is, 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 it was always about that narcissism you're talking about, Alan. It was kind of encouraged. It was always about how to feel better, uh, you know. And and we also were pretty delusional as therapists back in those days too, because because I'm pretty sure we thought that that once once we, you know, had gone through enough of these pr- treatment programs and hit enough pillows and screamed enough and <laughs> enough snot had came out, come out of our <laughs> our noses that that all of a sudden we would be transformed into different people. And you know, and we had we had some 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 learning to do about, about that for sure. But, but uh, you know, it's where I, I think where I came to pretty quickly was that we need to go. To, we go to therapy to be better, not to feel better. You know, to be better people. And yeah. the other thing that came that I got to at a certain point in that process was understanding or, or believing for myself that we wanted to do that so that we can rejoin the the broader community and be of be of of use it was it really was sort of a, a, a hippie hippie thing in in a, in a sense that, that i had not forgotten my my uh, 60s and 70s when i when i when i came when i came to be a therapist it's like uh yeah but it's it's like we do want it. it's not about just about how be me me it's about but it's about how can i take care of myself and what you what you said nadine about the confrontation to yourself. Alan talks about a lot. I talk, we talk, both talk about this quite a bit in our, in some of the work we do, but you know, and of course everybody does it. You know, we, we need to start with understanding everybody does not feel uh, particularly drawn to that part of the work. That's true. You know, and it's, it's so one of the, I think one of the things we do difficult for me sometimes is that judgment call about, you know, when, you know, I, I get that I nudge people, I, you know, I, we make things a little uncomfortable and stuff like that, but I've also worked as a, as a, as a recovering among other things, control freak, I've worked real hard not, <laughs> not to just shove people into things. So, you know, it's, it's yes. like, it's not up to me. So that's a, that's a tough balance sometimes. Yes. I, I think that is a tough balance and, that's why, you know, Alan Shore's title, like, right, The Art of Psychotherapy, because mm-hmm. it's an art. Absolutely. I, I mean, for me, I don't care how, I mean, I've taken, like, I got my PhD and did a two-year postdoc training on relational trauma, uh, u- utilizing somatic therapy. But that's like, well, that training takes me so far. Sometimes, you know, I also have to go mix my intuition with somebody's attachment. You know, with a narcissistic mm-hmm. personality, mm-hmm. I might be more aggressive or confrontational because mm-hmm. they'll respond better to that. Mm-hmm. But not with a person that really, really is a, like painfully shy and, and can't 
really even see people, right? Right, right. So it's always meeting the person where they are. Yeah, and we're all, we're always we're always hopefully gaining gaining and and, and learning how to use the, the all these different tools. So you have lots and lots of choices yes. to draw from. It's like because they, you know it's it's sort of like if I have a you know and some some people who identify themselves so much by a by a uh, they say I do this kind of therapy. I always say I think it's like I say I use I I have a hammer, you know. And so you ask me, you say, could you fix my watch? And I say yes. I can. And, <laughs> and hopefully you're smart enough to go like, I don't want you to fix my watch because that might not be what, is, what it needs. Right. Yeah. Right. And we need a lot. And, and we also need to know, uh, just, and I can already tell from just meeting you that you have this one is, uh, which is just humility. The idea of understanding we don't, we don't know everything. We're, we're not, that's not, that's not, and that's not the requirement. We're not supposed to, I'm not going to know everything till, you know, the, the day I die, but the idea of having people like we talked at, at the, the, before we went on about uh, uh, our producers, ours is Patrick and, and, and yours is Maddie. And it's like yeah. just how wonderful it is to be able to have people who are so resourceful to, to count on in life, you know, the, yes. because it's just, it just is, that's about us letting go and saying, I don't have to know everything. Yes. We all need that in life. Yes. Not just for podcasts. <laughs> so some people may not know what somatic psychotherapy is. Could you give us a snapshot of that? Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Somatic psychotherapy really originated with Wilhelm Reich in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. And he was well, actually a student of Freud. And he believed that the body and its innate wisdom needed to be brought into the therapeutic container or encounter. Mm-hmm. And so really in therapy, when how I use it in therapy is that I'm always reading gesture, intonation, whatever people are doing with their hands, right? Like I'm Italian, I can't talk without mm-hmm. using my hands. Uh, what's happening with their eyes. And I think a lot of our defenses that I don't even want to call them defenses, but adaptive survival strategies that we used as children a lot of times are in the mind. And so the body is another way to get to the authenticity of the person. And so that's what somatic psychotherapy means. You're using not just the mind, but the innate wisdom of the body to facilitate the person's process. And I just, again, it's just another portal in. Yeah, I, I love that part because the idea, I just, I always think about it sometimes in simplistic terms. We use the, you know, therapists, we, t- we learn the cognitive. We learn that how to use the mental aspect to get in. We, had, we talk to people and they get to, they can get to feeling. But just the powerful thing of knowing more, it's just to ask questions that are about, you know, where do you feel that in your body? Where, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I, I notice you, I notice you touch your heart when you say that, you know, it, and just actually just as, as, as subtle as that is not even having to make, make a, a you know, lesson or out, out of that, just some of the, just sharing that awareness really can make people pay attention mm-hmm. in different ways. I love Alan that. touches his heart quite a bit as well. I've noticed. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Always. He's, he's this. Yeah. Yeah. Like a Je- Jedi power. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'll notice a lot of times I'll be in therapy and someone will look off and then they'll answer me and I'll mm-hmm. say, no, no, what just happened there? Mm-hmm. I saw you go somewhere. It's so subtle. Yeah. And I, I assume I know nothing because I do know nothing. The more I know, the less I know. 
And then a whole thing will emerge yeah. that they weren't going to share for whatever reason, shame or right. judgment. What you're describing to us is just how you stay in such very close contact oh, with yeah. the person that's in your room and that you're so aware. I like to describe therapy as a movement from now to next. Mm-hmm. Right. Is that we're constantly moving towards next. And what I'm hearing is how tuned in you are to that person's next and what that means and and inviting them to share that experience with you. I really learned that in my training, um, the neuroaffective relational model. It's such a crazy name. I don't know why they call it that. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> now, who, who is the who is the uh... Dr. Lawrence Heller. And he was, uh, I think he worked with Alexander Lowen, who's also a somatic psychotherapist. And so he's a brilliant man, don't love the name, but he really taught us about that contact tracking, almost like Hakomi, right? (laughs) Tracking, tracking. Notice when a person's connected to themselves and then disconnected. And so there is that tracking and the body helps us do that. Yeah, no, that's right. But I've always loved Lowen's work. I just thought- I mean, what a, what a genius. There's one thing that I use in, 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 you know, I I do a lot of work on, on emotional dependency and and then the rules that get generated from our emotional dependency and these rules we put in place, you know, to, in order to try to create a world that we can feel safe in. That's going to meet our needs, right? And and Lowen had this great line that I quote all the time, and I I won't get it exactly right, but it goes something like, when in our childhood we have a traumatic experience that either threatens our sense of security or threatens our self-acceptance, Mm-hmm. It's yeah. interesting how he separates yes. those in a sense. Yes, yes. He, he talks about emotional security, obviously, or physical. I mean, it's, it's right, sure. And then he's talking about that self-acceptance, mm-hmm. right? That relationship with ourself that threatens our relationship with ourself. Yep. He goes, we will then require our future to reverse the experience of the past. Mm-hmm. So I've used that to say, when we have those experiences, we will generate a whole set of rules that become these demands that we make on life, on people to act a certain way so that we feel okay. Yes. So it turns us into control freaks, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yes. if you love me, you won't do anything without me, right? You'll show me you love me all the time because I can't handle it. If you're not showing you love me, then I start to get anxious. That right. kind of so it yes. goes, I'm sure that you could plug it into your attachment model. Oh, there, yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, of course. But it's such a brilliant observation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He's brilliant. Yeah. Oh, I've, yeah. I've seen him work many, many times. I like he was one of the people that they were inviting out to the evolution of psychotherapy conference. At, uh, oh, at they were. American OK. Institute. And he would. Yeah. Do, I've seen him do at least maybe three or four demonstrations with people and just, and this was when he was like in his late seventies. I mean, in the I, know. Guy, I mean, so alive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And those really are the two things is that, and that's why I love 
doing therapy because my therapy room or now my Zoom room, I guess, right, becomes an alchemical vessel, I hope, of safety to actually, you know, we talk a lot about self-love, but really it is about accepting ourselves, the good, the bad, the shit, the great stuff. I mean, just all of it. Carl Rogers said that until we accept ourselves, we can't change. That's right. right. It's, it's more, more to me, it, what, what I say is this, it's for me in my, my own life and, and work with others too, but, but certainly for me, it's more about self self-respect than it is self-love. And yeah. uh, it's about integrity and it's about, you know, cause I can, I can, I can be pretty, I can be not my biggest fan uh, to say the least on, on any given day still to, to this day. And, and still at the end of the day, measure how I did it being the best, the best version of myself I could be. And I can come out. Okay. It's like the idea of self, mm. you know, self, self, uh, self, Self-respect always has made more sense. It always seems more tangible. It seems like now that's, and it also goes to what we were talking about before about, it's not just about feeling better. It's about being better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I love that because I, it's always the best definition of self-esteem that I've ever heard came from Nathaniel Brandon when he said, self-esteem is the reputation we have with ourselves. Isn't that a great yes. way to say yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, what are self? My goodness. Mm-hmm. So it goes right back to the self-respect. You know, am I honoring myself? Am I operating with integrity? Am I operating with humility? What's so interesting, though, is how the rules change for self-respect as you mature. Right? Before, like as as let's say a young man, to me, self-respect meant that I was the coolest guy in the room, right? I had to be, right. the, if I was the coolest guy, then I could respect yeah. myself at the yeah. end of the day, right? And, and, and to be the coolest guy meant that I had to drink more than anybody else. I mean, things that I look back now and I say, boy, there wasn't much self-respect in that behavior at all. But I'm thinking, mm-hmm. boy, look how cool I am, right? That kind yeah. of yeah. And, and then that that changes right as we as our consciousness expands. Yes. Boy, what seemed to be cool wasn't so darn cool. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's like it's like I had this backwards. <laughs> yeah, and I'm glad, you know that's such a great point. I'm glad you bring it up because so many people would say to me, you know, how did you feel when the movie came out? How did you feel when the movie came out? And you know what? I felt fine. Yeah, yeah. I felt fine because. See? I accepted and respected myself. You see her left shoulder, her left shoulder. She has the shrug. We talk about the shrug. It's like, it's it's like, it's, and people have one or more, like they're they're shouldered as like we are handed. It's like, but, but it's, it's that, I call it healthy apathy. I I tell when I do training, I tell the therapists, watch, watch, watch when your clients, when they start to achieve the things that they're to achieve, they're going to, two things you're going to notice. One is they're going to start using the word weird a lot. Uh, because because change doesn't feel oh gr- this is great it's it just feels, feels weird. weird they'll say this that's is right. weird and that's a that's a sketchy time because because that's when those saboteurs will come back and try to get you but the other thing I'll tell people is watch for the shrug because they'll it's, it's a very subtle thing but each yeah. time you said that about what your response to when the movie came out your yeah. your, your left shoulder go, goes up it's just it's just like it's it's like so it's, yeah, yeah I surrendered you know mm-hmm. I yeah. mean. I had done so much. I mean, it was ad nauseum already how much work I had done on myself around this whole experience. And really, I cared about my kids. Yeah. I was an adult woman. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Because we had processed it ad nauseum, 
They were like, okay, mom, you know, I have a pimple and my girlfriend broke up with me. So, and people are like, really? And I said, well, listen, of course I was concerned how it would affect my practice Mm -hmm. because that was a little weird because the timing was right when I was becoming a therapist. However, myself, I know, I knew who I was. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter what was portrayed on the screen. And, and sometimes I'm even in shock as I say it now. That it was well, okay. But, but, it was well, okay. we all have our process. It's like, uh, no, I mean, I remember, you know, no. Some, if somebody wants to tell stories about me prior to 1985, and and, and, and they're telling stories about you know just a, a, a pretty sick motherfucker, it's like that's me. Yeah, <laughs> I've, 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 you know, I've come a long way since then. And and if you know when yeah. we get trapped trapped into things and we're doing our things and. And uh, yeah, I love that. I love that. that the movie for Tom is going to be called The Texas Terror. It's going to be Tom's movie, not The Wolf of Wall. The Texas. The Texas. Tell, me, tell me what what did what did the movie write, and what did they miss in the? I mean, I, I think the movie was very funny, and it wasn't very funny. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. It was not funny. Mm-hmm. I always say it was a Greek tragedy, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Yes. So I did enjoy that it was funny. It made it more entertaining for me, of course. And it got right his addiction. Yes. Not he, he did a lot more quaaludes and coke, but they used coke because they thought it would had a better sensory experience, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his, his quaaludes were yeah, yeah. His was much more quaaludes, and mm-hmm. um, and we never fought ever about women. Mm-hmm. We always fought about drugs. Yes. But in his mind, he wanted to make it that we fought about women because we did fight. I mean, I'm from Brooklyn, not. (laughs) Trust me, I understand it. My mom came from the Bronx. Okay, so right. So you get that. So that that was uh, that was my one thing that I said to him, you know, we never fought. about. I never threw water in his face. Yeah. You know, he made it seem like I was the violent one a little bit, you know, except for one scene. But. Um, and so I, I had to wrestle with that, but again, I, I just, I just knew what was true, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. at the end of the movie, at the end of the movie, uh, she takes the kids and removes herself from that bad situation. So yes, I, which I, was I, true. right. At no mm-hmm. point, uh, I, I, did I feel like, you know, you were the bad guy in that story, uh, at least in the fictionalized no. version of it. Yeah. No, it just, of course, to know me as you, you're just getting to know me in this brief moment it doesn't show my depth of character and, of and how deep I think and feel. Mm-hmm. And my husband and I got to watch the movie at a private screening at Paramount. And it was a, it was a bit surreal. And I remember after the movie, I looked at him, I go, we did okay. <laughs> Pretty young girl, loved a crazy guy, loved her kids. <laughs> Done. <laughs> We're out. That's the good, that's the cliff notes of the movie. That's, that's right. a wrap. <laughs> I mean, listen, the movie's all about him. Let's be real. Of yeah. course it is. <laughs> yes, right? Of course. It is, and we're, we're but, friendly. You know, that's in some Fine. way. Quaaludes was his drug of choice because there was so he had so much energy, and he had to find some way to bring himself down. I mean, yes, you know, it totally makes sense because I do think that our drug of choice relates to to what we're trying to do to complete ourselves in some way. Oh, that's a beautiful way to say that. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's we're really we're really looking for some way to make us whole. You know, I and look, I wish I could credit myself with that, but that's what Rollo May said. He says, I don't believe mm-hmm. in symptoms. Mm-hmm. He says, throw out the idea of somebody having a mm-hmm. symptom. Somebody mm-hmm. is searching for some way to maintain their existence. They're trying to find some way to continue to be able to operate with as much wholeness as they can possibly garner, given given the possibilities, Mm -hmm. given the resources available. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's a beautiful way to say it. Yeah, he was. He was like, what it was like, it was like a billion miles an hour. Oh God, you get that feeling. It's like I feel it in my chest when I when I see that that portrayal of him. I mean right. So he just needed something to yeah. No, and we get along well. And it's actually the day the movie came out, I had him over uh, because it was Christmas Day and Mm -hmm. and I just think that's yeah, did he ever recovery or anything? Did he ever? Oh, oh yeah, he recovered. Yeah. Oh, he did. Okay. He did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my daughter now, we have a son and daughter. My daughter's now a therapist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's like that's like when I do uh, training workshops. Uh, I always I always tell the group, you know, it's it's like, uh, you know, we don't get into this business because we're just so damn healthy we can't wait to share it. You know, it's like you know we're 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 here because we're seekers, and it's like and and that goes to what what you you were saying just then, Alan. Reminds me of what Nadine was saying earlier, just a little little in passing, saying I don't necessarily like to call this these defenses, but the word because the word defenses our defense has gotten a bad reputation in our business. Sometimes it's like, if you think about, we all need defenses. It's like, I mean, you know, it's like we, we need to be able, and it's need to be appropriate. What we have is, you know, we, we, we get to a certain place in our lives and we realize we need defenses, but instead of wearing just a, you know, some regular clothes, we're walking around in armor, you know, clunking around all the time. And, and it's like, but it's what you said, Alan, is that, I mean, so much of what we do for a living is to have, help people look at those things from a place, you know, and, and to me, I, I love the idea that, and, and I get the feeling that, that Nadine, that you fall in this category too, that I would say that we, we sp- I spend more time telling people, teaching people how they're not crazy than yes. t- telling them that how they're crazy. It's like, they're go like, no, this is how you make sense. And it's like, and, and what you were saying about people's drug of choice is just one example of that. Uh, Alan mm-hmm. is the idea that what, you know, this seems really crazy out of context that I respond to these situations like this, but it's like, no, if you know my story and if I get to know my story, I can have compassion. And it begins with that, of course, mentality, that sense of like, Oh, well, of course I act that way. Of course I respond that way. And only then after that, do we have choices? But I, you know, I love that idea that we really do make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And my mother always said that told me the best line. And I say to all my patients, uh, attributing to what you said, you know, I, I feel so crazy. I said, well, my mother said, just when you think you're losing your mind, you might be regaining it. That's it. Yeah. I, oh, love I, my, that. I, I had a sponsor used to say, whenever somebody says they're losing it, they're finding something. Right. It's like, they're not losing something. They're finding something. It's, it's just, just really it's just, scary. Yeah. And, and, and self-compassion. And we're so hard on ourselves, myself mm-hmm. included. Yep. Yep. You know, and I, and I realized uh, through my first marriage, my addiction to perfection was completely to cover my shame, mm-hmm. um, you know, because of my father leaving at six mm-hmm. and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And, I, and then at 39, I got breast cancer and 
it actually turned out fine. I caught it very quick. I didn't need chemo radiation. I chose to get a double mastectomy. I mean, it was as good as breast cancer was going to go, but, but I was feeling totally anxious mm-hmm. and only through, you know, much therapy again, right. Another learning mm-hmm. about the learning. I realized my armor of perfection was cracked and that's uh, why I was feeling anxious. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that the curse of perfection, isn't it? Oh, it's such a curse. It really is. Needs to be I mean, correct. You know, yeah. it, you know, I, I, I think that that such an important point you're making now is that sometimes we have those moments in our life where they really become an invitation to look at something like that, don't they? Like when yeah, breast cancer and what you went Cause through. Because I, I was like, why, why aren't I? Why there was no reason for me to really be anxious. It was a, mm-hmm. it was three millimeters. It would, they said it would take him 20 years to metastasize. I did a radical thing. I, you know, but it, it wasn't about the physicality. It was that that armor of perfection had cracked. Mm-hmm. So other women that are facing that, what would you so, say to them as they're facing a double mastectomy? What, what are, what are some of the things that, that really helped you in that? Just- yeah. What, what really helped me was having a, beautiful doctors that I loved and that I felt had my back and were by my side. They were two female doctors Mm -hmm. to really resource yourself. And they really held you then is what you're saying, that there was a certain kind of experience with them that was so important. So important. They were loving, kind, attuned to me. They listened to me. I trusted them. Mm -hmm. I really trusted them and to really resource yourself. And then I called friends who had had breast cancer, who had gone through breast cancer. And to, 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 you have to have resources when you face issues like that. Yes. And God, that's, such, that's such a giant lesson in, on, in any topic we could choose to talk about that. Is that one of the, you know, I, isolation, isolation is, the, is the killer here. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I tell people, you know, it's like my, my alcoholism, my self-hatred, my, you know, whatever, my assholeism, none of that stuff is, is <laughs> enough to kill me unless, it's, unless it, it involves isolation and I'm no longer connected to my, my community. You know, because yep. because because that community is going to help me do it. And I love I love we since you talk about the somatic stuff. I love when you were telling about your doctors is your two expressions where had my back and was at my side. Mm-hmm. It's like and then Alan, the next thing you said, and I, I imagine I don't know if you were conscious, but you may have consciously aware of that. But she was really describing being held. It's like you know because it, it, it was it was it couldn't have been scripted better. She said that, and then your hands came up. <laughs> and, and, Tom, we got to admit to you, Nadine and I scripted that before. Uh, no. <laughs> we've been talking now for the last several months and well done well done we just, we gotta let you know couldn't have been, couldn't have been well better written that it was perfect test to see if you've been listening see we just want how he's how, been listening how, how, astute, how astute your observation abilities are and look you just passed with the flying colors all right i'm gone see ya <laughs> that's, it, that's it you're done we'll give you an a plus on that one i graduate i'm finally graduate. i've been waiting to finish <laughs> something something you want to finish something there's a bunch of words that come to mind when i sit here with you nadine first of all you're beautiful that's the mm-hmm. one of the things but you, not only just you're beautiful to look at but just sitting with you is a beautiful experience there's a, I, you, you feel so safe to me 
Because mm-hmm. oh. you've really done that work. And I can really feel that and how transparent and honest and willing you are to just be here with us. And mm-hmm. I just want to give you a big hug. Is Thank what you. Do, is Thank it? you. Yeah. Well, it's, I feel safe with both of you, right? I, there's a, there's a feeling in the ether, even if we're not in the same mm-hmm. room that I can be received. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things 2020 has taught us is that maybe phys, you know, physical location is, is you know, uh, maybe it's overrated. I mean, I, I've, I've been amazed at, at you know, I, I really would have, if you'd asked me, you know, a year ago, you know, when this stuff was just starting and I was thinking I was going to take off uh, a couple of weeks from seeing clients in the office, you know, I'm gonna, well, I guess yeah, the next right. couple of weeks. And I kind of felt pressured to do that. I didn't like that idea, but I'll do that. And it's, and it's like, but I mean, the, the, the fact that we, we've experienced what, we, what can happen, you know, and we, and we do have a way of, that's a beautiful way of saying it too, Alan, is the idea because we really do experience each other, even if it's through technology. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. And I, I, I remember being nervous about that as well, uh, because especially being a somatic psychotherapist, I convinced I myself, you know, Another it's story right. that it has right. to be when a body meets a body, but mm-hmm. no. And right. it, it taught me that. And, and it gave me so much more uh, freedom to go, you know, be with my grandson. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have been oh, able to do that. Yeah. We could work from anywhere. It was, like, it was the coolest. Anywhere. I, tell, I tell my wife, I said, you know, because, you know, when you work for yourself, when you take a vacation. The biggest expense is what money you're not going to be making. You right. know, it's, it's, it's like you can get a good deal on a place to stay in a flight. It's like the, but right. there's always that amount of money you're not going to make. Yeah. I, and I told you, I said, I said, I think we may be able to do it once, once there's such a thing as travel again, we can go to other places because I, I can work from any place because what you said about the somatic stuff and the, the nervousness, and I, you know, because so much of what, what I do is, is experiential. It's just, I just tell people we're going to bring everything out into the, the into the, the, to the room and we're going to, we're going to bring out your consciousness into the three dimensions. And, you know, and I didn't, I'd never, I'd done a lot of remote stuff just because of people who contacted me because of books and stuff, but it's, it's, I'd never done an experiential therapy that way. It was amazing to find out you can do this work over, okay, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, it was, in some ways it was so simple. Like I, if I'm looking at, if I'm, I'm just as an example, I'm looking at Patrick here and I'm going like, if he's talking about this voice that, that we're identifying as being a saboteur and a mean voice to himself, I'll, I'll say, is it on your right or your left? And they'll go, it's my left. It's like, okay, you just, you, does your chair have wheels on it? Yes, it does. Just move over a little bit, mm. you know? And so rather than go sit in that chair, it just right. became, and, and the nuance was amazing. It was like, it was, you know, people could feel the difference just moving. And I thought it's a whole, you know, and more, more to learn. Like what you were saying earlier, Nadine, it's like more to, oh, good, more to learn. Well, listen, I've done therapy in my RV. <laughs> <laughs> my husband's great. driving That's and I'm great. in the back. That's in the RV. <laughs> Somatic therapy will travel. That's, That's right. right. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, RV sales have really gone up <laughs> during this time. And I, I've been looking at one of those, uh, what are they, str- um, streamliners or whatever they're called? But yeah, oh, Gulf Gulfstream, right? Is Gulf that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's great. Go for it. I oh, love it. We love it. These things are, are incredible now, the way they're made. And now I just saw this one thing about these 
these homes this guy are building, these micro homes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They they're, like, they're like 250 square feet yeah. or whatever. It is. But the way they're designed, they're like 10 times as big as that. It, it's Amazing. remarkable what, what's happening. And yes. look, this is what happens, right? right. You, we hit a crisis. We'll mm-hmm. all try to figure out how to adapt to it. And in the adapting, we develop all these other possibilities. Yep. We, get, we get creative. We get that's, creative. That's I always say the body and brain grow from threat. That's right. Oh, absolutely. And that's it's, what we're seeing. It's horrible as this has been and for the people that have lost people. And mm-hmm. there's been a lot of trauma and there's been another side to it yes. for sure. For yeah, sure. My, adjust, my adjustment, it hasn't always been smooth this last year, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, no. I, I do my best. And I've eaten well, way too much ice cream. I feel uh, like that. Oh, me too. Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. Well, I, I haven't had some information for you guys. There is no such thing as too much ice cream. I promise that, that that doesn't exist. But but Patrick, I want to say this to you. You this this last year, uh, getting to know you through the through the uh, p- political bullshit crisis of all this stuff. For one thing, it's like. Um, you know, now it's when nothing smooth about it, but it's, it's like, it, it be sure that you don't have anybody in there telling you it's supposed to be because, because it's, because it's not, it's like, no, you're le- you're, that's one of the things that, that where I feel like I've really gotten to know you and just how gut, gut level honest you are and, uh, and how, how vulnerable you're willing to be. When we're well, I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you, Tom, uh, you were talking about self-esteem earlier and uh, mm-hmm. about how you kind of have a metric, that's separate from how you feel about yourself in any given day that you, uh, you, you, you were kind of speaking to how you can redeem, how, you know, oh, well, it's, at it's, the it, end it, of the day. Yeah. It's yeah. the self, it's, it's basically the, you know, I, I, for one thing I call it, I call it living by the, the regret reduction program. And that is living, living the, and then this goes back to something that Victor Frankl talked about is, that mm. I can't quote directly, but the idea that he would say, you know, live, live the moment as if it's your second time through. You know, it's mm. like, and, and, and you're, and, you know, and, and basically I, what I add to that for me is, and of course I fucked it up the first time. So how am I going to, how am I going to ch- change it? So the idea of yeah. living saying, if, if I were, you know, my little, my, I call it mental health tricks to make me reasonably mentally healthy is that the idea that, that if, if I were given an opportunity at the end of my life to review this day and do it, do something different, I want, I want to have as many days as I can, where I would just go, let it ride it's okay oh, it's like so nice. you know and so that's the place where it's like and i think that's what you're talking about patrick it's like it's it's not about self-love i mean i i love i like happy i'm a fan of happy i you know um I'm, i have a long history of, of what i'd say is it, been, it became really evident to me early on in my therapy when people were saying i was self-critical that that was a massive <laughs> understatement it's, it's like, like no this is this is condemnation this is hatred yeah. all this other stuff so self-love so self self-love always kind of kind of gives me a little flinch you know that stuff but the idea i, I need something to be practical and tangible and and just just be able to say if I if I'm if I'm as um, one of the uh, book, I wrote a book it's out of print right now but it's called Earning Your Own Respect and it's about understanding what your value system at any given time in your life is and living as congruently with that each day of your life as possible as really being the way to live your life 
And it's like, and then, and it, I tell you what, it's helped me so much, uh, Patrick, uh, through uh, through the power, the additional powerlessness, and the, even the helpless feelings that I've had as we've done, gone, w- witnessed all this uh, crazy political crap. It's like just to be able to come back and say, "Okay, my job, play your position, Tom. Your job is to be the best you that you can be." That's it. It's like, you know, and that's what you need to base your feelings on how you're doing today. And it's, that's hard, but it's like, when I do it, I'm better. Yeah. And uh, how do you manage your perfectionism these days, Nadine? I mean, uh, you said that's kind of like your, uh, Oh yeah. Uh, crucible. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what? I, I talk to myself all the time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I mean, I don't know, like, I guess there's an I thou relationship within me, mm-hmm. as Martin Buber would say, or an mm-hmm. I me relationship, like who's dreaming the dream, right? Mm-hmm. So I just say, okay, now you'll do it better next time. Yeah. Or like if I'm, I'm just so much kinder to myself and I'm just not nearly as demanding. I mean, first of all, being perfect is, totally unrealistic and just puts me in a terrible hamster wheel and it's not possible and it's ridiculous. I understand it was a coping mechanism that I used and an effective one at times when I was younger and now I just don't need it. And well, it's self-victimization. When you realize, when you realize that perfectionism is, is, you know, and I, and I find that people need to be told because, because I, you know, I try not to make assumptions about what the people. Because I tend to think things like everybody knows what I know. So, Ooh. so I, you know, it's it's like yeah. I like to to say, you know, perfection is perf- a perfectionist is not someone who does things perfectly. It's someone who thinks they're supposed to do things perfectly. Yeah. Therefore, they're in constant pain because the expectation is that they that you be beyond human capacity. Right. It's like. No, we, you said it, we can't even do it. It's yeah, like, so. it's, it's like, so, I mean, how, how much pain are we putting ourselves in? And then the other thing I was going to say too, that when you talk about that, that voice, that basically that compassionate voice that comes in, it's like, to me, that's part of what develops over the course of, of therapy. But, but one place it comes from are the, are the people we put ourselves in their company, the safe places and yeah. where, other people are kind to us. No, even when we're being horrible, if you know, right. we begin, they, those, those, uh, you know, I, I used a therapist voice of mine, a, a, a therapist I was seeing at the time because I couldn't get myself to even imagine my voice saying kind, you know, yes, things. Kind of things. So, yeah. but, but, but I could with my, with Linda's voice, I could imagine that. So right. I could imagine that. And then sure enough, that voice, you know, there's a place now that it's automatic. It's a natural part of me. Yeah. It yeah. just says, eh, it's okay. Like, I love it's it. Okay. We'll do better. We'll do better next time. Yeah. And, and, and what I learned too, is that I always thought it was coming from outside. Mm-hmm. I, when I first met my second husband, I'm with him 22 years. I'm like, stop trying to make me be perfect. He's like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? Right, right. And I really thought it was coming yeah, from him, yeah, yeah. but it was coming from me internally mm-hmm. shaming myself. Mm-hmm. And yep. so I just bring that to my patient's attention. I'm like, you, did you hear yourself shaming yourself? You're doing mm-hmm. it. So the good news mm-hmm. is since you're doing it, you could stop. Right on. So- but I really thought it was coming. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh pr- projection is such an amazing thing. You know, one of the things is, that I love to do sometimes, Nadine, is when somebody says something horrible like that, I'll, I'll follow up by saying like, well, what do you think? 
and and they'll look at me like because they think they just told me what they think. And it's like <laughs> and, and I, I, I leave. I let them sit there for a little while, and I'll go like, no, no, no. They, you told me that asshole that's somewhere inside your head just told you that. But what is I'm your writing opinion? that down? Yeah, it's, it's, oh, that's a good one. I agree it's a, it's great. Yeah, it's like. You know, because they just because first thing they look at you like you're not paying attention at all. Because I, I was very clear like just then. Sleep for a few minutes there, right? Yeah, that's right. And and here's the thing: I've been doing this for 40 years. I have never fallen asleep and stayed asleep in a session. <laughs> you should put that on your resume, Tom. <laughs> I, I lead with it. That's right. Thanks for that question, Patrick. That was an important one. Yeah. 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 Well, this has been fun. Well, you know, the thing is, I just was realizing that little pause, you know, of course, of course, I, you know, I learned being a radio guy back in the radio days, you know, that dead air is, is, is the most dangerous thing is no, nobody's talking. And it's, it's like, I just realized at this moment, just before you said that there was this moment where I realized that it wasn't an it wasn't an awkward silence that was getting, that was beginning. It really was a calm, peaceful space. Is that's what I felt anyway. It's like I thought I never and I've never experienced that in doing this work. It's like I'm sitting here with with the gallery view. So I'm looking at all all four of us. And I re and I realized, you know, I wasn't saying anything. And, or, and usually when I'm not talking, Alan is it's like and, 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 I, and he, he wasn't. And it's like I just thought, OK, it's good. It's yeah, like when things are going well, there's no real vacuum to be filled, right? It's that's right. Everything's yeah, popping. Like, yeah, yeah. It'd be weird on the podcast if all of a sudden oh, yeah. we all just go quietly and this is, we all just sit here. <laughs> kind of a seance type thing. Yeah. yeah. What, yeah. What's for dinner? That's right. That's what that's, that's funny. It's like we're sitting around and just having a good old Italian dinner to you. Uh, uh -huh. So uh, where are your offices, Nadine? Are you out? You're, you're located in California. So you're yeah, in Hermosa Beach and um, uh, Glen Cove, New York. Well, I mean, now it's virtual, but yeah, that's where I go back and forth between. So where in Hermosa were you? Oh, at, um, do you know where the spot is? The restaurant, the spot, the vegetarian restaurant. So oh, yeah. Third and Third Avenue and yes. yeah, Hermosa Avenue. Yeah, Manhattan Avenue, I think. Yeah. I was over on Pacific Coast Highway in Artesia. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. Right sure. around the corner. Yeah, yep. Yep, but now I'm... Um, here, there, and everywhere, I guess. Yeah, I, mean, that, now you're, you're, I closed that office. I closed my Westlake office. It didn't make any sense to keep it didn't paying. Didn't make rent. any I mean, sense. No, 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 no. No, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how the world emerges from all mm -hmm. this. Yeah, I, there'll be some resistance. I mean, I was, you know, I was saying earlier, to Nadine, that, you know, that I do. Uh, I, we live on a farm with surrounded by uh, woods. And, you know, so when I'm doing FaceTime or telephone conversations, I do it outside with my dog in the woods. And it's like, it's like, that's going to be hard to give up. It's oh, like, sure. I mean, just, just, just be having, my, I mean, sometimes, you know, it's, it's like, I try not to do that on the FaceTime. Uh, but, you know, if they're talking on the phone, my wife says, says, why was smoke coming from the, from your place down there? And I said, well, I was having a cigar, but it's like, you know, it's, it's like, yeah. so, so she, she said, I worry when smoke comes from wherever you are. Oh. Uh, and, and, and I appreciate her worrying, but it's like the, the, or the other day when it was snowing here and it was a beautiful snow and I'm, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. It's like, um, it's, um, 
what's funny is you can have these conversations and, and somebody doesn't even have any idea where you are geographically. That's it's right. like, it's like, but I, but, but I was, I was walking with my dog and I had, to, I have this, I have this one thing that I do with some clients that is just like a, it's like a 30 minute check-in thing when they, when they really don't need a whole session, we're just kind of staying yeah. in touch for a little while. And so I was doing one of those calls. And so I just thought, well, I can do that while I'm walking. And it was like the, the snow was already down on the ground covered and it was snowing one of those the big flakes snow come down. And it's just like, and, and, and I, just spent some of the time talking just describing this to to my client just how cool it was and amazing it was it's like yeah when i think about that versus go back to sit in my office i'm going like oh, i don't know <laughs> mm, i know I, I hear you the travel time all of it yeah so i guess mm -hmm. we'll that's isn't that amazing in terms of how it's taken away all of that i mean a lot of my my clients they love it because they say yeah. i just have to get ready ready five minutes before the session i don't have to drive anywhere yeah i'm home after we're done with the session i mean it look this is yeah i think our profession has changed forever i i do oh, i mm. think so in fact you know there is an organization now okay you've heard of it but they oh. are now licensing us to practice virtually. Oh, virtually. I didn't know this. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know if, if I'm going to go through all these things because I'm getting towards the sunset of my career, but, but it's called SIPACT mm -hmm. and it's practicing telepsychology under SIPACT. So SIPACT, once you go through it, has a relationship with many states and they don't have the list of states, which is unfortunate, but what you do is when you get licensed with them, it gives you license to practice through telepsychology in all those states. Right. So which, you know, right. Which, which should happen because everybody has been through so much trauma and needs help. Well, we have that now. I think right now, don't we have? Like, yeah, we do. There's been uh, that decision made that we're all allowed. Yes. Know, given the freedom to function this way. And it's not considered, you know, it's considered a, you know, part of our practice now, or part of the right. Of practice. Right. But these folks have moved together to really form. Now How it's a, beautiful. There's a few steps to run through to get your, you know, you have to send your transcripts in. Right. You know, when we took our, our psychology, uh, the state, the I mean, Whatever. Board oh. thing and stuff like that. You Which had nothing to do with the way we practice. Well, is it? It's <laughs> right. <laughs> Listen, those of you that are consumers listening nothing. to psychology, this, this is very important. You know, just because we're licensed doesn't mean that we're good at doing this stuff. I mean, <laughs> I've met many people that I would consider paraprofessionals that are better than licensed therapists. Oh God, yeah. Their ability to be healers, connect with people. I mean, it's true. So true. So, you yeah. know, you know, ja what Jacqueline, Jacqueline Small wrote the book, Naturally Therapeutic. Oh, you know, that's a great book yeah. that she yeah. wrote. I mean, I always encourage people, even in my first session, I said, look, this first session is like a first date. It's to see mm -hmm. if we want to get together for a second mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. and not, you know, not everybody you're going to want to, you know, not everybody I'm going to meet, I'm going to want to continue to work with. And not that's everybody between me is going to want to work with me. So yep. I, I just want to create a space to have an open conversation about it. Yep, it has to be a good fit for everybody for sure. Yes. It does. And that's so important, that good fit stuff. So if you're out there, you know, listen to what Nadine said. She had a trusting relationship with those two physicians that worked with her mm -hmm. during the treatment of her breast cancer. And that needs to be the case. You know, don't settle for anything less mm -hmm. in terms of your care. 
That's, that's so true. true. It's been that's so, so true, true in terms of dealing with some medical mm-hmm. issues. I've had this mm-hmm. this one doc. I I think I was mentioning to Tom, you know, um, I had a urinary retention problem, right? So I had an obstruction and I couldn't pee. And when you can't pee, it means the urine backs up in your bladder. And your bladder is not made to handle a, a large volume. Yes. So the first time that I was catheterized, I had 1.5 liters of urine in my bladder. I think about that. No. No, no, I don't. I'm me too. Nadine, I'm right there with you. That was my first response to Nadine. It was like, no, I'm not going to. Oh, I just have so much empathy, and it just that doesn't seem possible. <laughs> it hurt. It, uh, trust me. I mean, mm-hmm. all my life I was afraid of being catheterized. Mm-hmm. I could not wait for this guy to catheterize. <laughs> Please get something in there and get this urine out because I feel like I'm going to explode. <laughs> right? You're going to poke, poke me, and I'm going to blow up. So I went to see this urologist, and it, it, it was a series of things getting to him. And I went to him and I, and I was telling him what's going on and the anxiety and stuff that I had with all of this stuff. And, and he says, look, this is the first time you're going through this. I've done this a thousand times. Oh. And he goes, I'm going to give you my phone number. This is my mm-hmm. cell number. Oh, wow. Any time that you're concerned about what you're experiencing and what you're going on, call me. And probably within a few minutes, I'll be able to help you understand what's happening. So you're going to feel less anxious. I felt so cared for. I mean, they called him twice during that. Yeah. I was going to say, you don't need to call him when you, when you, when you have that. Yeah. This is a bloody story, but I'll tell you the the time I called him, it was really, it was my day. Oh, I hate this story. You can use my deck. Cover your ears. (laughs) All right. I won't tell it. It's definitely. Well, I think the moral of the story is, is that to be a good therapist, there's one thing you have to tap. You have to care mm-hmm. to be a good yes. doctor, to, to, to help people. It's so simple. You have to care. <laughs> Why don't we end with that? So Nadine, how can people find out about your work and, and connect? Oh, the, they can um, just Google me, NadineMacaluso.com or find me on Instagram, Dr. Nadine Macaluso, I think. I think that's my Instagram handle. And uh, just thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Patrick, for like (laughs) putting the schmadre together. Okay. Great. Yeah. Uh, Thank you guys. All right. Thank you, Nadine. Okay. My husband is, my husband is making an Italian dinner, so I do have to go. (laughs) Oh, well, well, good. Enjoy your dinner. Enjoy. Okay. Bye. 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 Look in the mirror, trust the reflection